It is so good to hear you, uh, to see you, to hear you. I was just right over there, and, and I got to be honest with you. Uh, when we kicked into that last uh, song, Amazing Grace, about started to cry like a baby right there. <laughs> there. There's just something about being out here in just the rawness of the people of God gathering. You know, I, I was talking with a friend who's a pastor up north, and we're talking about the challenges pastorally that the last six or seven months have, have created within the church. And we both kind of came to this conclusion that one of the things that's happened during the pandemic is that kind of the trappings of church, the traditions of church, the comforts of church, the, the way that we always do it. How many of you uh, have a seat in that room over there that you consider your seat? Show of hands. Okay. So... So you're here, not in your seat, right? And, and we're just out here. And there's cars going by, you know, dogs barking. And, and yet, in the middle of that, when we unite in worship, in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's just something so powerful about that. You know, I, I shared with the, the leadership team this morning, I was thinking of the early church, and, and we get so excited in Acts 2. Peter preaches, Holy Spirit moves, and 3,000 people got saved. Who here wants to manage 3,000 people in the moment? Can you imagine if 3,000 people had showed up this morning? How crazy that would have been, right? We didn't know to celebrate or to criticize or to critique, right? And I'm just reminded that there is... A, a wonderful beauty in the simplicity of being outside because it's just us and hopefully you're here because the Lord drew you or someone invited you and and there's a joy to this and um, I'm so blessed to see this many I I had to confess with Tyler you know when we when we uh, had to move outside uh, earlier in the week you know I'm like, oh, great. You know, we were just growing inside and we were just, you know, seemed to be getting more and more people each week, more comfortable. And and so we have to shut down. We have to come outside. We're figuring out where we're going to do it. And in my mind, I'm like, well, there's about half. We're going to be half. And so I asked Tyler this morning at about 730 when we were here, I said, Ty, how many how many do we have signed up? And he was 37. And I'm like, what? (laughs) We have more people here, outside, than we've had since we reopened. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, right? I mean, but see, but you see, in the, in the world of man, we think we've got to make it comfortable. It's got to be just the way it is. We have, have to have amplification. It's got to be AC, right? There can be no distractions. We sit in rows and we all, it's got to be nice. And yet God said, oh, ye of little faith, watch this. <laughs> I'm going to bring more people on a Sunday outside than you've had in the last month inside. And it's just a testimony that God is in control. God is in control. Is this, is this a journey that we're all on? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm glad I'm sharing it with you. You know, and, and I want to encourage you, encourage us, encourage me this morning. Let's just walk this journey of faith together. Okay. We have today, I don't know where we're going to be next Sunday. Who knows? Uh, and, and we don't have to. 
because God knows and he'll reveal that in his timing. Let's just make the most of every time that we get the privilege to be together. Because the truth is, we still get the privilege to be together. Amen? Yeah. Right? And I do want to say uh, welcome to you out in live stream land. Never want to forget you. We know that there are still health issues and um, concerns, and, and that's why we continue to live stream. I had, I had sort of thought in my head, well, maybe I'll just pre-record a sermon, and we'll post that for, for those who couldn't be here. And then the, the guys are like, no, bring the camera out here and let the people at home see what we're experiencing out here, you know, with curtains behind my office window and ficus plants and all of this. So um, it's kind of interesting, too, because I'm wearing two mics. One is for that. Is that working right now? So that's kind of a little bit of amplification. The other mic I'm wearing is for live stream, the live stream crew. So even, even for me, you know, it's the first time I've ever worn two mics, Brenda, uh, during church. So we're going we're gonna to figure this out as we go. But the most important thing is relationship. Amen. Most important thing is your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with one another as a church family. Amen. So we're not going to stand up and meet and greet, but uh, as you are safely socially distanced, why don't you just turn to a few people and give them the, give them the wave, give them the wave. All right. Isaac, can we, can we do something? Can we, can we move that? All right. We're going to have some fun here. Isaac didn't know I was going to do this. That's a live stream camera. You want to pan everyone. He's going to pan back. You can wave at the live stream. It's right there. There he is. Right <laughs> say good morning to all of those out there. Thank you, Isaac. So uh, this is it. This is, this is what we call church, right? Because remember, the church isn't a building. The church is a people. And, and that's, that's the joy we have this morning. So uh, welcome. Uh, we're going to continue through Ephesians chapter 5. And... Uh, if you're just joining us, if you're just joining us online, we've been going through Ephesians. Uh, it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to believers in the city of Ephesus and the surrounding region. And uh, how many of you would say you, you like the book of Ephesians? Just for whatever reason, right? I like it, right? And that's okay to have maybe some favorite books uh, more so than the other. Uh, but one of the things that I've come across that the reason people like Ephesians or maybe Philippians or Galatians, whatever it might be for you, is that people often say, I really like that book because it's practical. Anyone ever like a book because it's practical, right? You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, things it tells us to do and not to do. It's real practical. Well, it is, but I want to encourage you uh, this morning as we move forward if you're going to appreciate Ephesians and really any book of the Bible, it's not just practical. I want you to really appreciate that it's supernatural. Okay? The book of Ephesians, I love the book of Ephesians. And I was like, for a long time, I was like, yeah, it's real practical, right? It talks about spiritual warfare. talks about putting off, putting on, the old man, you know, new man. But then this week, I was really impressed with the fact that, no, it is practical. But what it's speaking of is a supernatural relationship and a supernatural life see this is where again if we're not careful and we look at the bible as very practical it kind of becomes a pseudo help self-help book and then we take it out of the realm of supernatural into just helps helps and do's and don'ts and rules Right. And then if we slide into that, here's where you have to be really guarded. You become your own worst critic. Yeah. 
Because now you're judging yourself, you're scorekeeping based on how well you are keeping the practical aspects of Scripture. Do you see what I'm saying? And suddenly the joy of a supernatural walk and relationship has become, oh, I didn't do very well this week. What's your score? <laughs> right? And we have a men's group on Thursdays. It's a great men's group. And we're going through the book of James. And in the middle of the study, we share, you know, kind of our struggles and, and, and trying to apply scripture. In the middle of the study, I got kind of, I said, wait, time out. I think we're, we've drifted, guys. I think what happens is sometimes in a group where you get authentic and you start sharing, you know, how was your week? Oh, I'm struggling. Oh, how, how is that verse challenging for you? Suddenly we spend 30 minutes talking about how bad we're doing with it. We spend 30 minutes of how much we're struggling to follow Jesus. And I had to call time out on Thursday. I said, no, guys, wait, we got to stop. Because I'm getting depressed, <laughs> you know. I'm like, why, why, why has this men's group degenerated into, you know, sort of like sharing of how bad we're doing as believers versus encouraging versus remembering who we are in Christ versus celebrating this supernatural uh, power we have to walk in faith and obedience, right? None of us here are perfect, but please, Appreciate the Bible for the supernatural relationship it speaks that you can have through Jesus and then the supernatural empowering he gives you to walk by faith, right? Rather than scorekeeping. Because if you turn it into scorekeeping, it turns into duty and drudgery and have to and gosh, you know, how bad was your week, Diana? Right? I'm like a 5 out of 10. Oh, you're a 1 out of 10. Oh, I'm better than Diana. Right? And then we start comparing. Some weird way we start comparing ourselves to others. And we just take our eyes off of Jesus and the joy of following Jesus and who we are in Christ. And if, we're, if our, we feel like our score is up this week, we're up. We got it. We got to kind of lose that. We got to come back to what Ephesians is talking about, a supernatural relationship with supernatural empowering to supernaturally glorify God. That's what he's talking about here. Amen. Okay, we got to get there. You got it. Come on. You got to you got to you got to shake off. That's why I'm glad we're outside, too. You got to shake off churchiness. You got to shake off just like the drudgery and the do's and don'ts and the rules and the checklist of following Jesus. Right. How many of you have been in a covenant relationship of marriage and you're just loving and living because you want to? Right? It's just coming out of you in that relationship. It's just part of the relationship. It's who you are. Right? Hopefully you're not in a covenant relationship where it's a bunch of do's and don'ts and checklists and scorekeeping. Right? And the same way your covenant relationship with the Lord should be joy, should be love, should be because you want to. Okay? So in Ephesians, we're looking at this supernatural relationship. Eileen, uh, we'll start in five. Last week, we started, we looked at five, one and two. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us 
and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we talked about last week, right? We are dearly loved. If you're a, if you're a believer, you are a dearly loved child of God. Just imitate Father. Imitate Father. Right? And how do we do that? Walk in love. What kind of love? Self-sacrificial love. Right? Ultimate example is Jesus on the cross. And so uh, he says, Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So it's very important because this is one of those verses that if you're not careful, you switch it into duty. See? Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You can flip that and say, you better keep my commandments. That's how you prove you love me. You see the difference? What Jesus is saying in that verse is, if you love me, the fruit of your life will be obedience. You see the profound difference? You you don't miss that because a lot of you are trying to prove your love by obedience rather than letting your obedience be a fruit of love. You got to get that. It will profoundly change your walk with Jesus. If you say, Lord, I just want my obedience to be a fruit of my love for you. Instead of this law, if you love me, you'll. If you love me, you'll. If you love me, you'll. You see, I know the wording kind of makes it sound like that, but that's not what it means. And why is that important? Because in Ephesians 5, 3 to 7, he goes out of this positional truth of being a child of God to some real practical things, right? So let's read Ephesians 5, 3 to 7. It says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Now, it would be really easy, you know, if we had the time to dive in and tear apart all of these things we're not supposed to do. But here's the heart of the message. He says, hey, this is what people of the world do. And I love what he says in verse 7. Don't do that. Now, it says, therefore, do not become partners with them. He's not saying, hey, don't reach out to them. Don't have friendships. And He says, don't do what they do. You're a child of God. You're to walk in love. Don't do what the world is doing. That's kind of what that passage can be summed up in, right? But we want to dive in. And what does he mean by this? And what does he mean by that? No, he just means, you know what? You're a child of God. Walk as a child of God. Don't do the things that the world is doing. Okay? In in the New Living Translation, verses 6 and 7 says this, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in the thing these people do. Okay? There were some false teachers that had come in and said, You know what? It's okay. God will understand. And they were kind of minimizing or trying to excuse sin. And so the Apostle Paul says, you know what? No, don't participate. Don't be partners with them in what they're doing. What he does say, okay, in in verses 8 through 14 is this. He says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. 
walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We're going to focus really uh, much of our time on verse 8. And Eileen, you can leave it up for a bit. It says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, I think it's up on the screen here. This verse is really important in, in, in terms of understanding the heart and the context of Ephesians. Look what it says here. It says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. When you read that, you might have a, a, a tendency or temptation to add a word to words that are not in there. And if you add these words either out loud or you, you assume that that's what he means, you're missing the real power of this verse. Because what it doesn't say is this, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in light. So if you add it in, you miss it. If you add the words in, or you assume that's what he means, you're missing the power of this verse. What does it say? Okay, we're going to read that first line to the Lord together. Ready? Begin. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Hmm. You were darkness, now you are light. He's talking an identity issue here. He's talking a radical supernatural truth about who you were and who you are at the core identity level. Now, this particular verse can be a little bit uncomfortable for those sitting here or listening at home who tend to view yourself as a good person. A good moral person. Because that verse, I leave it up, that verse says, at one time you were darkness. Not in, you were. What are you talking about? I did my best in school. I got good grades. I didn't do anything really bad. I never got suspended. I never got detention. What do you mean I was darkness? Isn't that pretty mean? That's pretty heavy duty. See, here's, here's the challenge. If you add the word in, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light, that means that you give yourself an excuse that overall you've been a pretty good person. And at one time you were in darkness, but you were a pretty good person. And then you became in light and you were still the pretty good person that you've always been. And that's why you don't really profoundly get the gospel. Because perhaps in your mind, you've always been a pretty good person. And being in darkness was just a season of you doing some bad things. And now you're in light and you're a better person overall. Because by golly, you're here at church. And you read your Bible and you pray, right? Go to Bible study. So that's in, I, that means I'm in the light, right? 
and all those people who don't go to church and all those people who do bad things, they're in darkness, right? That's what he's talking about, right? Oh, no, 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 no. No. Ephesians 5.8 is a zinger verse. It's a zinger verse. About 20, uh, it had to be almost 30 years ago, I was in San Diego. I brought a friend to a Bible study and uh, sat through. Uh, and how many of you have a friend who is the nicest person in the world? Wouldn't hurt a fly. Like, super nice. Like, not a believer, but super nice, and you would think they were a believer, <laughs> right? Like, this dude, I got to know him. I said, you want to come to church, Bible study? He came. He heard the gospel, right? And at, uh, in the church that we were attending, if you uh, came forward at the altar call, they had another room to go into, and you could either pray or you could ask more questions. So the, the, uh, the altar call was given. My friend, he, 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 he says, let's go. And I'm like, oh, sweet. So I go with him and I go to the back room and I talk to him about the gospel and Jesus and right how to become saved and all this. He, he, I talked about sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I go through the whole spiel with him. You know what he says at the end? And I, because, you know, you have to ask if he wants to believe on Jesus, if he wants to become a Christian, right? This is what he says at the end of the entire gospel presentation. Yeah, but I don't sin. (laughs) And he meant it. Because a lot of us feel that way. Because sinners are the bad people of the culture. Right? Sinners, are the, aren't, aren't they the ones that are in jail? And, and I don't sin. And I understood. I, I got it. He was, he, was, he was so confused about how the gospel applied to him. Because he loved his wife. He went to work every day. He paid his bill. He was honest. Didn't cuss. He was just a very wholesome Richie Cunningham kind of guy, and you share the gospel about all have sinned and your sin separates you, and he stares at you with all the innocence and and integrity, and he looks me straight in the eye, but I don't sin. Code for, I don't need Jesus. Right? Because sinning is something we do. Sinning is external to us. See, Eileen, put that back up. That's what this verse is is trying to peel away. At one time, you were darkness. What you were doing because you were darkness just simply manifested where you were at that time. It's talking about your character, your nature apart from God. You were darkness, not just in it. Sure, you were in it, but that was your nature. That was your nature. And this is where, uh, again... If you get this and you, and you submit to it and you receive this biblical truth, you also receive the good news. Now, don't get, don't, you know, don't get bummed out because the gospel means what? Good news. So sometimes to appreciate good news, you have to also appreciate and accept bad news. How many of you have heard the, everyone, I got good news and bad news, right? Okay, quick survey. How many of you want to hear the bad news first? Okay, how many like to hear the good news and then the bad news, right? Okay, this is a bad news, good news verse. Here's the bad news. You were darkness. Here's the good news. You are light. 
It's a deep identity nature issue here. In fact, that's what Ephesians is all about. Living out who you are. Living out who you are. See, you're a child of God. Imitate Father. You were darkness. You're light. And then what does it say in the next verse? Walk as children of light. Ephesians is about living out who you already are. Who you already are and what God has done to empower you to do that. The question today is, have you really settled that issue as uncomfortable and maybe even as resistant as you might be that at one time, apart from Christ, I was darkness? Doesn't mean I was doing wicked, evil things. It just means I was in darkness. I wanted nothing to do with God. I was spiritually dead. I was blind, right? Look at this. Um, look at Ephesians 2. We, we talked about this. He says this. This is what it means to be in darkness. You were dead. He's speaking about believers. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. How many would be honest and say, that was me? Okay, if you do that, then you were darkness. That's, that's just a description of what it means to be in darkness. Here's also a challenge, as I was thinking through this. This verse is particularly the 5-8 verse about you were darkness. Go ahead, I put up. You know who that's challenging for? Kids raised in Christian homes. And I say that with five PKs under my, <laughs> under my roof at one time. You see, if you're raised in a Christian home with appropriate boundaries and what you watch, listen to, what you can do, you know, and, and you kind of are raised in a good Christian home, very healthy, that's kind of a tough verse to swallow. Because you're like the goody-goody. And this is where it's a spiritual reality we're talking about. And so I was like, man, even for my kids who grew up with dad as a pastor, do they even get this? Do my kids even understand the spiritual implications of the gospel when they were raised in the kind of house that, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, didn't get to watch this. and da, 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 da. But dad, we're darkness. I thought you're a pastor, <laughs> right? How can I be darkness? You're a pastor. Well, honey, it's between you and God. <laughs> Do you guys see, you see what I'm talking about here? The power of this passage that we're talking about and the power of the gospel is just receiving God's truth that through Jesus, we were darkness, but through faith in Jesus, we're light. We're light, right? I love this verse. Look at uh, John 8, 12. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Right? 2 Corinthians 4. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts, so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. 
How many of you, if you read Genesis, that's from Genesis 1-3, when, when God says, let there be light, because it says darkness covered everything, and when God says, let there be light, how many of you go, whoa? Anyone? You have like, whoa, what a miracle. This, this verse in 2 Corinthians is a whoa moment from you and me. God, however he does it, shine the light of truth into your heart and mind. And he said, let there be light. And you're like, Jesus! And it's a woe moment. It's a miracle. You were darkness. Now your light is a miracle as much as God calling light into existence when darkness reigned. You are a miracle. You are a I mean, I don't know how else to, how else to put this. The fact that you are here today. Wanting to be here with Bibles, listening to me speak God's truth, worshiping. That's a miracle. It's a miracle as profound as God saying, let there be light. You're a miracle. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a miracle. You're uh, at home. You're a miracle. This is like miracle territory. You got to You see what I'm talking about? We're living miracles. We're, we were darkness, now we're light, and then we flip it all into, oh, you know, what's your score? What's your score? How are you struggling, fellow miracle? We're a miracle. I mean, I love this. It's, it's as profound as when God said, let there be light. He said, let there be light in your heart, in your mind, and he opened it up. That's a miracle. It wasn't, you didn't do that. You didn't do that. That was God's profound miracle work in your life. And you got to get back to the joy of that. You got to celebrate that. Peter O'Brien says this. Surprisingly, the readers are not presented simply as having been in the realm of darkness and being now in the sphere of light. It is not their environment or the surroundings in which they and the rest of humanity live that is in view. Rather, they themselves were once darkness, but now they are light in the Lord. Those ruled by the dominion of darkness or light of light represent that dominion in their own persons. So when they were converted, it was their lives, not their surroundings that were changed from darkness to light. This radical transformation had taken place in the Lord. He is the one who has made the decisive difference. And it is through their union with him that they have entered a new dominion and become light. It's not your surroundings that changed you changed. That's the gospel. That's the incredible transformation that happens. You meet Jesus and you change from the inside out. You become light. And even if your circumstances don't change, you're changed. And you know what the radical truth is? Now you bring light into the darkness. You, by living, are the light in the darkness. You see... And the verses 11 to 14, we don't have time to, to read them. He talks about exposing the light. You know what that means? It's not coming up to people and Bible bashing them. How do we expose the darkness? By just being light. How you live. How you live brings light into the darkness. And here's the crazy thing. You've got to expect it. If you're just going to follow Jesus, let the fruit of the Spirit come out, speak the truth in love, the darkness isn't always going to be thrilled with you. Even if you're not pointing fingers, even if you're just being you, the darkness is going to be uncomfortable. Right? 1 Peter 2.9. 
you are a chosen race, a a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So, here we go, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Just by living it, they're going to speak evil of you. That's okay. You let your actions speak louder than words. Amen? So how do we we become you know, ambassadors for Jesus, just live as children of light. Just walk, just walk in love, walk as children of light, imitate father, and you will bring light to the darkness. You will bring light just by being who you are in Christ, just by being you. First Peter tells us, you know what? If they do ask, how do you respond? Gentleness and respect. Speak the truth in love, gentleness and respect. There may be times when you bring light, the light of truth into a situation, but you do it with gentleness and respect. And then Matthew 5, 14 to 16, I love this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How many of you just want your life to be the testimony? Just your life. Beginning in your house. Just your life. And then take it out to your neighborhood, take it out to work. Just let your light shine. That they may see your good works and glorify God. That's what really this passage is about. And so in in verse 4 it said, You know what? Let there be no filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And so as we prepare for thanksgiving, you know, as, as kind of strange as it's going to be this, this year, I really just Sunday wanted to bring us back to, Lord, thank you that I was once darkness, but now I'm light. Just take a moment and, and ponder that. Just, it's an identity issue. It is a deep core who you are in Christ issue. Father, we, uh, we rush through life so quickly. And this morning, I just uh, really feel the need to stop and to ponder the truth that we were once darkness. Not just in darkness, but we were darkness. And now through faith in Jesus, we are light. We are light. We are children of God, dearly loved children of God. And we follow the light of the world. So in this Thanksgiving week, Father, we want to pause. And right now at this very moment, just just give you a, a... Just a moment to pause and just in your heart, say thank you to Father for taking you out of darkness and making you light.
There's another aspect as we head into Thanksgiving I want to share with you. The Apostle Paul in Acts 26, he was given a commission. and He, he, he relays his commission in Acts 26, 18. He's sent to the Gentiles and it says to this, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is Jesus talking. You know what another reason for Thanksgiving? People getting saved. People coming from darkness to light. Still, today, in 2020. 2 Corinthians 4.15 And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. How many of you would love to see people keep coming to Jesus? Right? And now you understand, it's not just saying a prayer and coming to Jesus, it's coming from darkness to light. That's what we get to be a part of by being light. We're, we're saying, hey, come over, come over, come join us. Come from darkness to light. Oh, are you condemning me? No, because I was there with you, bro. I'm just telling you, I met Jesus and I'm now, I'm light. I get it. The light bulbs have come on. How many of you, the light bulbs have come on spiritually? Like you don't, you don't understand it all, but you get a whole lot more than you did. Anyone like got the spiritual light bulb? Boink. <coughs> What is that? That's a miracle of God. When he said, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Boom. That's crazy. That's some crazy stuff, right? Colossians 1. We'll close with this. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I love that verse. That's a great verse heading into Thanksgiving. Just maybe the theme of of your Thanksgiving, my Thanksgiving this week is coming out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. I mean... And then you let that truth profoundly impact how you live. You let the joy. And people say, what got into you? I don't know, man. The light just came on, bro. <laughs> what do you mean the light, Jesus? That's, that's what it's about. Don't overcomplicate it. Throw the scorecards away. Just, just love Jesus and walk in the light, right? And if, if you haven't made that commitment, you can do that today, even at home on the live stream. I, I, I've shared the story with some of the guys from here. I, I came to Jesus. I was a, going to UCLA. had an apartment in Venice uh, up there in L.A. And I was seeking, searching. And if you ever wonder on that uh, Christian channel, I don't know what it is here, but the Christian channel up in um, L.A., if you ever wonder, like, you know how they say, if you're at home and you're watching, you can get on your knees. If you ever watch that, how many of you have ever seen that like on a Christian? And you're like, come on, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Happened to this guy. <laughs> I was there after I got out of class. My roommate was at work or something. And I'm like turning on and this guy's like, if you're at home. <laughs> I'm like, oh, brother, here we go. Because I was ready. And I remember I got on my knees like in my living room of my apartment and I'm like, I hope my roommate doesn't walk in because this is going to be really weird to try to explain to him what I'm doing with the guy on TV, right? My point is whenever God turns on the light, just respond. 
when he speaks to your heart about who Jesus is, when he's calling you out of darkness to light, just respond. Just respond right then and there by faith. Just respond by faith, right? Let's pray and then I'll walk us through communion. Father, thank you. Thank you that according to your glorious might, you delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of your son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And, and my heart is for those here and those listening at home. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe it makes more sense. And so if you'd like to come from darkness to light, you can pray a prayer like this. Just, just pray it between you and God. Say, Dear God, thank you that Jesus is the light of the world. Thank you that Jesus was sent to be the Savior of the world. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I believe you died, you were buried, you rose from the dead. Jesus, I trust you fully as my Savior and Lord this morning. Thank you for turning on the light bulb that I can understand this. God, in the best way I know how, I'm putting my faith in you. I want to be a child of God through faith in Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.